Good morning. This is Apostle Shirley Evans again, another day. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried. I don't know about you, but this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamped round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O oh, taste, O oh, taste, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in him. But you got to taste, O oh, taste, oh gosh. How do you taste? Getting in the word and see him in the word and get more revelation and you see the joy which is your strength and you see everlasting life. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that put his trust in him. The fact is this morning I'm still speaking, I'm still seeing, I'm still hearing. No one had to push me anywhere and, and I'm still praising. So, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We could look around at so many things and see the goodness of the Lord. As a matter of fact, the goodness of the Lord leadeth sinners to repentance. The goodness of the Lord. Oh, his mercy endured forever. His grace and his mercy is here uh, for you. You just have to taste and see it. That the Lord is good. Awesome God. Whatever you decide to do on this Friday, the day October being October the 16th, 2020, it's Friday. The time is 10.25 a.m. October the 16th, 2020. Friday. The time is 10.25 a.m. And we're just tasting and see the goodness of the Lord. And whatever you decide to do, people of God, whatever you decide to do, make sure it brings a smile to your face and peace to your heart and may it bring glory to God in all things give him glory in all things give him glory Jesus blessed Savior you're worthy to be praised praise him praise him Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus, blessed Savior, is worthy to be praised. God is our rock, rock of salvation, a mighty fortress. In him I will obey. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Jesus, blessed Savior, 
you're worthy to be praised. And the psalmist says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And you know, we, we start off with our worship. I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth. He said, He will not suffer thy foot, thy foot to be moved. The Lord that keepeth thee, He will not slumber nor sleep. Oh, the Lord is my keeper, the Lord is my shade upon thy right hand, upon thy right hand. Oh, the sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. He shall preserve my soul even forevermore. My help, my help, my help, all of my help cometh from the Lord. Lift up my unto the hills lift up my eyes unto the hills all of my help cometh from the lord my help my You are my Alpha and Omega, and I will worship you all day long, all day long. I've been with Jesus all day long, my heart of uttered praise all day long. My heart, my soul been lifted in worship all day long. I have been with him all night long. I've been with Jesus all night long. My soul have uttered praise all day long. My heart, my soul been lifted in worship all day long. I have been with him. You are Alpha and Omega. 
We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. You are Alpha and Omega. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. We give you all the glory. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. We give you all the glory. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. Father God, we just thank you for another day. We praise you, we honor you, we give you thanks. We lift you up, we glorify your name. We exalt you, we magnify you. Lord, we know that you are a refuge and our strengths are very present, have been troubled, therefore we need not fear. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, those hearers who are going to receive your teachings, Father God, I pray that their, their minds, their ears, their eyes, their ears be open and their ears open to see and hear what you're saying to them. May they be attentive to your word, Father, and may it not go on deaf ears, Father God. Open up their minds to receive, Lord God. And may we not just be hearers of the word, but may we be doers of the word, Father, as you are teaching us on your glory and how many seeds and how many people and how many creatures you create, create them all for your glory. Glory, glory. Glory to the Lamb. Glory, glory, glory to the Lamb. For you are glorious and worthy to be praised. You're the Lamb upon the throne and unto you we lift our voice in praise you're the lamb upon the throne and so we gave him glory today we're going to speak about the environment of glory as yesterday and the day before i was speaking about how my 
my uh, papaya tree was planted in the right environment and I, I sent you a picture of the little seed that had life in it that produced such a huge tree for the glory of God. Now, yesterday was an exciting day for me again because I don't know if you're ready to really receive the supernatural anointing of God because in the Old Testament when the angel of the Lord would come to someone to give them a message they would be fearful and that's why the angel of the Lord would say fear not now I'm always having encounters okay now when I spoke about walking outside and knocking my foot against uh, the avocado and he said, you're ministering about seed, but I have hidden things in secret places that you have not seen yet. I'm about to reveal it. Ordinary person probably thinking, what is she talking about? Oh yes, I'm talking about it because he gives us revelation if we have ears to hear and eyes to see it. So here it is yesterday. I'm sitting here and I'm talking in the spirit to someone and I'm saying to her, did your mother-in-law come out the hospital? Did they put the tube and had to feed her? And I'm saying, call me and let me know. Those words came out of my mouth. Remember yesterday I was speaking about power, how he spoke things into being? Well, I spoke that. I wasn't holding on to no phone. The phone was sitting on my desk. Suddenly the phone rang. When I looked, there was her name, who I was speaking to. I was like, oh, she's calling me. I answered the phone. I said, oh, you're calling me. She said, no, I didn't call you. I just walked in my house. <laughs> God. Now, earlier I had left a call on her phone, house phone, to call me, but she wasn't there. She just stepped in her door, she said. She didn't call me. Now the cell phone rang, my cell phone on my desk. It rang right in front of me. There is her face. I said, I was just talking to you in the spirit about your mother-in-law. I said, so you called me. She said, I didn't call you. Well, listen, I hope you're ready for the supernatural things that God is about to do, that you, you talk about, but when it happens, you jump back. I said, oh, my father. I said, I spoke it. I said, God, you're so awesome. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And yes, they had just brought the mother-in-law home from the hospital. And the tube was placed inside of her, the feeding tube. We have to speak those things in the being. But yes, when it happens, you're going to be taken about a back because it's going to be suddenly and you'll be like, what? Be not afraid. And so that wasn't all. 
yesterday when I was sending out a message, I, I recall, if it wasn't yesterday, it might have been day before yesterday, I recall talking about a coconut. If someone gives you a coconut with the hard bark on the outside, you have to cut that outside bark off. Then you go down when once once that is removed, there's another hard, hard shell. And you cannot eat the coconut like that. And so I was saying that there are three eyes in the coconut. One is very soft. The soft eye is where you pierce it to get the water out. Okay? As I said, some people don't want to be pierced, but the glory is inside of them. And so you pass that and the water comes out. And I, I remember I was saying, but if you break it up, if you just took, take something and break it, all the water will pour out. Well, I said that yesterday. Well, about five o'clock yesterday, I heard my doorbell ring. But just before that, my, my cell phone had frozen. It wasn't turning on at all. And I had called someone and i said you know here this phone did this again um i don't want to bother you but please could you see if you could come to check the phone out so his wife said oh yeah um we're going somewhere and then we'll come there and i know they would come here but i spoke it to them about 10 minutes later the doorbell rang and i was like wait a minute they couldn't reach here already unless they were around the corner. So I looked outside. It wasn't them. There was a bag hanging on my gate. And I looked. I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to be right out. Threw something on. And I called him my spiritual son. And he was at the gate with his fiance in the vehicle with the bag hanging on the gate. So I go there and I, I'm like, I, I'm like, almost in a panic, I was like, I, I thought you were so-and-so. I said, because my phone is frozen. It won't come on. And he went on telling me everything. Why? And it was early, early yesterday morning, about maybe three o'clock in the morning, I heard the Holy Spirit said, you need to wipe some stuff off your phone because it's going to freeze up. It's going to stop. So I heard him. So I went and I wiped the stuff off. But later on, next thing you know, it wasn't turning on at all. So here, here comes. At the gate, he was able to tell me how I need to wipe off and all of that. And God already told me that. He took the phone, he opened it up, he took the battery, put it back, whatever he put it, I should have asked him, look of him, but I didn't. And he put it back and say, see, it's on again. So, okay. In the spiritual realm, God knew that I had that problem. And he was going to send someone here to solve it. Do you understand? Not only that, did he fix that, but in the bag was coconut, not in the hard shell anymore. But it was all the meat that came out of the coconuts. He had them all cleaned and put in a plastic Ziploc bag for me. 
and a gallon of coconut water, which my body need electrolytes. I'm telling you, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So now you understand why I get so excited of my God who supplies all my need. I want you to receive this God that I'm talking about and get excited. The little significant things that we overlook that he does for us. Noah's a lot of time we wait for the big, big, big things. You better appreciate him in the small things because if you if you begin to appreciate him in the small things, he will do big, big, great things for us. And so he is speaking and he gave us power to speak. So that is what happened to me yesterday. So I spoke about the coconut. Now it's here. You understand? I bless the Lord. Yes, I get excited. And every time he does something, every time I breathe, I say, thank you, Lord. I'm excited. I'm still breathing. I can still work while it is yet day because the night cometh when no man can work. So we're talking about the environment of glory. The presence of God is the perfect I paused. The presence of God is the perfect environment for our fruitfulness. As I said about the tree in the soil, that was the perfect environment for now the fruit to come forth. And when the fruit come forth, it's not going to be just the fruits because it's about 20 on it right now. And I remember, I remember when I went at the gate, I was telling him, I said, did you see on your phone the, the tree? He said, yeah, mama, but I remember that's the same tree that when I came here, you asked me, you think that gonna bear? Cause it had a little flu, uh, few blossoms. And I said, cause those blossoms are there, but it's doing nothing. And, and I'm like, you think I should cut that tree down because it might be a male? He said, no, mom, don't cut it down. Leave it and watch it. <laughs> so here's the revelation. There are some people who we cut down instead of us watching them in prayer. <laughs> oh, God, pray. prayer is the environment that we pour on them. And then next thing you know, we will see the change in them. So we call them prostitutes we call them uh drug addicts we call them alcoholics we call them all kinds of names instead of us pouring the environment of love and the word and praying for them for us to see the change no we want to cut them down with our words help me jesus not to cut them down with my words, but to see you, to see the glory in them that you are about to bring out of them just the way how you brought the glory out of me. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. I want to sing. I want to shout. I want to praise. I want to say hallelujah, Jesus. Because if it wasn't for you, your love and your mercy and your grace, I would have been like them because the thing about it, the truth be told, we were all like them. Because we were all born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But your love and your grace. Your grace 
and mercy brought me through. I'm living this moment because of you. I want to praise you and thank you too. Your grace and mercy brought me through. So how many people, because God didn't answer them in the timing they wanted to, they draw back and they, 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 they turn back to the world instead of waiting and praising and thanking and waiting to see because morning do come. Night is not forever. Morning comes. And so he answers prayer. Just the right time. The presence of God is the perfect environment of, for our fruitfulness. Every living thing needs a proper environment in which to display its God-given glory. A bird was created to fly. I can't fly. But I, I could sing. I could praise. A bird was created to fly. Therefore, the glory of a bird is the fly. Birds need the sky and the open air to fully express their glory. If you take a bird and lock it in a cage, like a friend of mine has those birds locked in a cage, she has those chickens locked in a cage, and she has a duck locked in a cage. That's not their environment. So a lot of times we cage in people. So here we are in this pandemic, we are caged in the house. We don't have to stay in the house. We could walk outside the door and we could go out there and get the breeze and the, see the trees and see the skies. So we're not completely locked in, but you could be locked in your mind in prison if you're still in sin. But Jesus came to set the captives free. If you take a bird and lock it in a cage, it cannot show its glory, its full glory. The bird's glory is restricted by its environment. A fish was created to swim. Lord help me because I'm still learning to swim. A fish was created to swim. Therefore, the glory of a fish is to swim. When the fishermen go there, bring the fish in and rest it on, on their table. And you go to Porter's Key, the fish probably just came out of the water. Let it stay there for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. That's a dead fish. Because it's not a, in the environment that it should be. Only in water can it give its glory full expression. It is natural for a fish to swim. That which is natural to a thing is its glory. A fish doesn't struggle in the water. It swims. Swimming is its glory. When I see fish swim, I remember when I was younger and I'd go in the water, in the sea. That was the most beautiful thing to see the the little fish swimming right around me. And I believe be like, oh boy, I wish I could do that. Day 
I remember, I think it was nine or 10 or whatever. I didn't know none with snorkels, but, and, and you put the things on your feet. But fish don't need, they don't wear snorkels. They don't wear air tanks. They don't wear masks and they don't wear fins. They simply swim. That's their nature. And like I said, I go to the water and I have a problem because I start to swim and then I go under. I'm still learning to swim. And when I see the fish and I'm looking at them, they probably laugh at me and say, yeah, you're trying, but you can't do it because this is my environment. And for you to swim here and in this out to the deep, you better be a good swimmer. You better learn. On the other hand, if I take a fish out of the watery environment, it will start having problems immediately. Like I said, when the, the, the people, that, the fishermen take it out, it dies. It won't flop around anymore. Because it's trying to, it, it's trying to breathe. It can't, cannot breathe out of its environment. It will suffocate. But if I put it back into the water, it will immediately begin to swim. But if I do not put it back into the water, it will die within minutes. A fish can't breed in a dry environment. Its gills are designed to filter oxygen from water. Only in the water can a fish survive and thrive. Only in its proper environment can a fish display its glory. The environment we live in is deadly for a fish. And the fish's environment is deadly for us unless we carry part of our environment along in the form of air tanks and masks and fins. Likewise, we cannot enter birds' domain without the assistance of some kind of artificial flying machine like a plane. You try go go up there and fly. What the song say? I believe I can fly. Well, just believe that because you cannot fly. Human flesh cannot raise themselves up and go and fly. Now helicopters can, planes can. Like the bird and the fish, mankind was also created to function in a prescribed environment. The presence of God, that's the prescribed environment. Mankind was created to function. We thrive best in the environment for which we were designed. Our glory is to be like God and to rule like God in fellowship and harmony with God. Like a bird in a cage, anything that hinders us from becoming everything God created us to be restricts our glory. The only way we can really learn how to be like God and to rule like God is to live in an environment that is permeated with the presence of God. 
In order to be like God, we must know God. And to know God, we must spend time in his presence. Let me say this. In order to be like God, we must know God. And to know God, we must spend time in his presence. I tell you, nobody touched my phone and the phone came on. But I was already talking. The phone is communication. Spiritually, I was communicating with the person. And next thing you know, the phone. God wants to show some signs and wonders. And it's signs and wonder because there was a wonder. And I'm always going through that. It's a wonder. In my spirit, two days ago, I was speaking to the dental office receptionist. And I was speaking that I need an appointment to have my teeth clean. I was speaking in the spirit. This morning, I was still speaking it in the spirit. The phone rang this morning. Before I started this message, my home phone rang. Who was calling? The dental secretary in the dentist's office calling to say, you know, it's six months now, you need your teeth cleaned. I need to make an appointment. Listen, we need to not just accept Jesus as Savior and Lord. We need to get to the place of walking in his glory. We need to be at that that dimension of speaking things into being. I was ministering to someone yesterday who called. I prayed for them. I said something to them. Later on, they text me. When they text me, I open my mouth and I begin to sing. You are Alpha and Omega. I sang that in a voicemail and then um, I had to go because someone was at the gate. They text me back to say, oh my, oh my father, that was their song in their fellowship with the Lord that morning. So see, the thing is this, God is a spirit and he wants us to not operate by the sea, the sea shore. He wants us to go into the deep. He wants us to go up higher to hear him. But we got to drop some stuff. Oh God, plus I want to know you more. I want to know you more. We must know God. And to know God, we must spend time in his presence. If you stand outside and you look at a periwinkle flower, if you just take one glimpse and walk away, you can't see in the middle of it, there's a red, there's a purple. You might just, just see the white on the outside, but you have to take the time to spend with him in his presence. Before God created life on the earth, he prepared suitable environments according to what every variety and species would need. He established the oceans, the lakes, and the rivers in their proper places. Then filled them with aquatic life. He set apart the dry land 
with a temperature, with a temperate. Could you imagine this this year? The temperature has been in the triple. It's like double di digits and then the triple digits. We never experienced anything like that. He set the dry land with a temperate climate and all the soil nutrients necessary for plant life to flourish. That life then provided nourishment for the land. Where I have the, the, the papaya tree, I never put any fertilizer there. The soil that was there was soil which came from leaves that I would throw inside that area, which, which now is broken down into fertilizer, into soil. Awesome, eh? And all the nutrients is in it because it was in the leaves that went there. That plant life then provided nourishment for the land animals and birds that followed. Man, God's greatest creation, needed something more, a moderate climate and plenty of fruits, herbs, and vegetables to eat were not enough for beings made in God's own image. In order for them to function properly and fully display their glory, Adam and Eve needed an environment where they were surrounded by the presence of God, a place where they could be in continual union with him. God provided just such a place, and the Bible calls it Eden. Man's ideal environment. Before God created man, he prepared the environment perfectly suited to him. Before you build a house, you go and buy the land. You just don't build the house right on the land. You have to excavate it. You have to move some trees. You have to dig up the area. So before God created man, he prepared an environment perfectly suited to him. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 to 9 and verse 15 to 17, it says, The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it. Like I said, man, man, he wasn't just sitting there doing nothing. He was working. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free 
to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. The scripture says that the Lord had planted a garden. The Lord, not Adam. The Lord had planted a garden in the east in Eden. The use of the past perfect tense here suggests that God fashioned the garden before he formed the man who was to tend it fashion the garden he decided this is he drew a plan this is how i want it okay like it took me it took me 10 years before i made a decision as to where i was going to put a part of my prayer garden because it was really an intimate area and so i had to wait for god to give me a plan to say how to do it and finally, a year ago, there it is. I haven't shown you that picture yet, but it's a secret place. When you stepped there, when you step there, you could hear God so, so clear. You immediately go into worship. So I could imagine in that area where God planted the garden in the east, I could imagine his presence was there. The use of the past perfect tense here suggests that God fashioned the garden before, before he formed the man. In that garden, like I said, in my garden, in that, in that intimate secret place, I've got some, some plants there. The plants, the name of the plants is called Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. He formed a man who was to tend it, to take care of it. Judging from the description, the Garden of Eden must have been a beautiful and pleasant place. I could imagine, I could only imagine. This is only to be expected since God intended it as a home for his greatest creation. The word Eden probably, I'm not exactly sure, but I know it's from the Hebrew. And I believe it probably stems from the primitive word, root word, Adan, which means soft. Or pleasant. Eden means pleasure or delight. The Garden of Eden, therefore, could also be called the Garden of Delight. He has a delight in us. In other parts of the Old Testament, particularly in Isaiah and Ezekiel, Eden is referred to as the garden of God or the garden of the Lord. All of these meanings put together show that there was more to the garden of Eden than simply a geographical location. It represented a state of pure, complete 
and unbroken fellowship between God and man. Eden was a special spot on the earth that God chose where the unseen world touched the seen world, spirit to spirit. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Where the spiritual met the physical. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh God, I just praise you today. Eden was a special spot on the earth that God chose where the unseen world touched the seen world, where the spiritual met the physical. It was an open door between heaven and earth, a place where the presence of God covered like a cloud. The Garden of Eden was a unique spot on the earth in which lay an open door to God's presence. Eden was more an environment than a location. You know when you go to church and you decide, okay, we're going to do praise and worship and you're praising and praising and praising and glorifying God. Next thing you know, you feel his presence. You made the environment. So Eden was more an environment than a location because you could go outside and do the praises too. And it doesn't matter the location. You created the environment for his presence. First, God made man, Adam, in his own image. Then he placed man in his presence to live, to work, and to thrive. Eden was the perfect environment for Adam to bring forth all he was and thereby display his glory. By functioning fully just as he was created, Adam would bring glory to God. As long as he remained in the garden, Adam experienced perfect joy and complete fulfillment in the presence of his creator. Adam found not only the presence of God in the garden, he also found purpose. Human beings cannot experience complete fulfillment in life unless they find purpose in life. Fulfillment comes with purpose. God gave Adam purposeful work to do in the garden. Adam didn't spend his time lying around lazy, eating the grapes of the trees, putting it in his mouth with his leg crossed. No, he had the responsibility to work the garden and take care of it. When the gardener comes here to clean my yard, he knows what he's supposed to do. I don't have to tell him anything. He goes out there and he works. By God's design, Adam was steward of the garden and he was master of the created order. That was his glory. The glory of man was to expose and manifest God's nature and character through his exercise of dominion in the earth by his inherent gifts and talents and abilities. The whole earth is filled with the glory of God. Filling the earth with God's glory 
God's original purpose extended beyond the garden. He wanted Eden to be duplicated throughout the world so that his glory truly would fill the earth. This too was to be part of man's glory. Within the environment of the garden, God made Eve to be Adam's mate, Adam's partner, and Adam's companion. Then he told them, he told them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Yet there's a lot of women who said, I'm only having one baby, I'm not having any more. I'm going to get the tie off and I'm going to take the pill. I don't want any more. But God said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. Being fruitful means to bring out that which is on the inside to expose the hidden glory. Inside that little papaya seed was the trees. But then you wouldn't know unless you planted it. Leaving it in your hand for 50 years, it'll still be in your hand. It'll never be it. You'd never see the tree. You'd never see the glory. To expose the hidden glory. To be fruitful means to be productive as well as to reproduce oneself. So if a husband and wife got married, because they, they, they got married, their husband and wife, but if they never had any children, they're not producing themselves. But that doesn't mean if you couldn't have any children, that didn't mean that you couldn't go and adopt one. Think about that. What is the true glory of an apple tree? What is the true glory of my papaya tree that I'm talking about? It is to produce papayas or a, my avocado tree is to produce avocados. Everything needed for the production of avocados is already in the tree. But until the ripe fruit appears on the branches, the tree has not fully displayed its glory. It has not completely fulfilled God's purpose. In Matthew chapter 21 verse 19, Jesus cursed an unfruitful fig tree. Guess what? I have a fig tree in the back of my yard. It has produced twice. Now the thing about it, I realized that it isn't getting sufficient sun. So I have to clip some branches off the mango tree so that the fig tree would get the direct sun. Because I believe if I take up that tree, it's too big, I might kill it. Jesus cursed an unfruitful fig tree. In Luke chapter 13, verse 6 to 9, he tells a parable about a vineyard owner who wanted his servant to cut down a fig tree that had produced no fruit in three years. Fruitfulness is important to God. It is part of his creative design and fundamental to his nature. 
God instructed Adam and Eve to increase in number and fill the earth. The King James Version of Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 says, Multiply and replenish the earth. All of these words involve the principles of reproduction and duplication. God wanted them not only to reproduce themselves by having children, but also to reproduce their environment. He said, in effect, Adam, begin here in this garden. I want you and Eve to have children, lots of children. I want you to raise a righteous seed who will grow up loving my presence. Of course, what happened? The enemy came. He wanted them to grow up and have righteous seed who will grow up loving the presence of the Lord, the way Adam and Eve was. I want you, Adam, through them to duplicate this paradise, this Eden of my presence over and over and over and over again until the whole earth is filled with my glory. It was a grand design. God already designed it. Befitting the mind of an infinite, omnipotent creator. Adam and Eve were fashioned to function in fellowship with God. In his presence was the only environment they needed. Under his covering, under his wings I'm safely abiding. Under his covering they were completely free to be fruitful to multiply and to become everything he intended for them to be. Only in God's presence could they attain fullness of person. See, only in God's presence can we obtain fullness of joy. So only in God's presence could they attain fullness of personhood. Only in his presence could they fully expose their glory. Only in his presence could his glory shine through them. Shine, Jesus, shine. It is important to understand the difference between the presence of God and the glory of God. Many believers today make the mistake of equating the two when really they are quite different. The presence of God is the active manifestation of God that fills the environment in which creation exists and lives. Presence means pre-sense. We get a sense of God. Let's break down the word. Pre-sense. Pre-sense. We get a pre-sense. We get a sense of God before he fully manifests himself. Like he said to me the other day, this is only the rehearsal. The presence of God is his predetermined environment for us to function and be fruitful. The glory of God on the other hand is the attributes and character of God on display. When I looked at the, the, the flowers and see it on display, man, that 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 is just it just it's just awesome. You see God everywhere. While the presence of God is an environment 
that is very real but invisible. The glory of God is an actual observable thing. God's glory shows us what he is like. At times his glory may be hidden, but it is never invisible. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the stone tablets containing the Ten Commandments, the scripture says that his face was radiant because he had been in the presence of God. I was telling y'all the other day how I'd been on that 30 day fast and the day that I break the fast and I came out, out of my living room in out of my bedroom into the hallway and these young men were, were just come in my house and everyone had to run out. I didn't know why they ran out. I didn't know them anyway. But one, one young man stayed and he said, Oh my gosh. He said, I know you, you always directing my path when I'm on the wrong pathway, but you are all old woman with gray, gray hair. And every time I'm in the wrong direction, you, you steer me back in the right direction. But spiritually, he was talking spiritual things. And he was at that dimension that he could stand in the glory, the glory, what he was seeing upon me. Do you understand? The others couldn't, the others couldn't, couldn't, couldn't handle it. And so this, this young man at that time was a young evangelist. Now he's married and has six wonderful, beautiful children. There was a lingering glow of divine glory on his face. Something so tangible and visible that Moses don't avail, yet avail to hide it. In the Garden of Eden, both the presence and the glory of God surrounded and defined the lives of the first human couple. Adam and Eve never went to a worship service. They never went to a worship service. Why? Because worship was there. The presence was there. Their worship was fellowshipping continuously with God and being everything he had created them to be. They never fasted or prayed because they were in constant communion with their maker. Commune with me. Commune with me. Between the wings of a cherubim. Commune with me. Commune with me, commune with me between the wings of a cherubim. Commune with me. They were in constant communion with their Maker. They needed no scripture to read because they were always in the presence of the living word himself. The presence of God has always been the conducive environment for man to be all he can be. It is the open door to everything else. 
We can realize our greatest potential only when we are in a full and right relationship with God. Some people believe that Adam and Eve did not have to wear physical clothing because they wore the manifested, tangible glory of God. When I, I remember years ago, I had a, a, a cousin. He, he could have been like 12, 11, 12, 13. He always walked the street naked. He always walked the street naked. It didn't matter. With nothing on. Of course, now today, he's, he's GQ. But he walked the street naked, naked, N-A-K-E-D. They lost that glory as a result of the fall. And so now we understand better the statement in Genesis 3 and 7, that they realized, they realized they were naked. So my cousin, I, got, I guess when he got at a certain age, much older, he realized that he was naked. Then in the environment of Eden, Adam and Eve enjoyed that relationship. Equipped with everything they needed to fulfill God's purpose. They were poised on the brink of filling the earth with the glory of the Lord. What went wrong? Listen, I had a daughter. I still have a daughter. She's not dead. But she would walk through the house naked out like, go, go put on your clothes. And she wasn't five. She was older than that. I was like, put on your clothes. <laughs> so think about it. When your mind is free and all of that, it doesn't matter, okay? But here it is. There comes Mr. Satan himself. Because I believe when he walked in that garden, he didn't walk like a snake. Snakes don't walk, they crawl. But he walked in there as a man, as a fallen angel, with two legs and two arms. We'll touch that tomorrow. In the meantime, let's stay in the environment where the presence of the Lord is. Let him bring glory out of us. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just love you, Lord God. We just love you, teacher, Holy Spirit. You are so wonderful. You are so awesome. We bless your name. We honor and we worship you. And we thank you for your grace and your mercy that you are covering all of us today. As you cover us with your grace and mercy and your love and your peace that passes all understanding. Help your peace to guard our hearts and minds day and every day. We love you. We love you and we appreciate you. There is none like you. Absolutely none. Help us to continue to love you and to worship you and to praise you, to honor you and adore you. And so until another day, God bless you. Keep safe. I love you. This is Apostle Shirley Evans, enjoying God. Hold on to your joy. Don't let nobody take your joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Be strengthened today in Jesus' name.